0: Oh, uh, what up, guys and girls! It is Bobby and Sean. We are back.
1: We're back, back, back-ish,
0: back-ish. Until I had to work again in a couple weekends, but uh, we are back. It's been a while. Sorry, guys, for the delay. I know every week we put up a Q and A. Everybody always asks for uh, more podcast episodes, so I apologize that we've been, you know, very busy. But as you all know, life happens, and well, we're we're here.
1: Yeah, and I really understand that most people were just missing it because both Bobby and I have what would probably be considered a, a natural operatic radio voice. You really don't get it out there any longer. You've got your Ben Shapiro's, doesn't sound great on the ears. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan, sure, but you want that that maturity in our voices, and you can really hear it as our vocal cords have aged uh, and prepared your ears for you know terrific dialogue. You can't get it anywhere else but Cronisfit. I'm completely assured of that fact. That
0: is an absolute, absolute true statement. Um, we are brought to you guys by ten thousand. Um, I'm wearing their shorts right now. Um, I'll let Sean talk a little bit about this new promotion they're running for us next month. but uh, highly recommend the shorts. use the code. Totems Fit 15 for 15% of your first order. Uh, the tactical shorts are pretty sweet. I got a pair of the tactical shorts, and they're like my favorite pair of shorts that I've worn so far.
1: Yeah, so we've been talking with 10,000. Obviously, they're sponsoring one of our scholarships, which will open up here uh, this month for everyone to start applying for and then close in August. So get your packet together. It's really simple. But we're looking to continue our... Uh, operations with Ten Thousand. Uh, they want to grow this sponsorship a bit next month. Uh, we'll have more to follow in the c- the coming weeks uh, with it. But overall, we just want to say how grateful we've been to Ten Thousand for reaching out to the both of us. Probably what five months ago, six months ago. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, to talk about uh, you know partnering, um, and they're really just been dedicated to giving back to military folks that have gone out. Um, And they're starting something, you know, with nonprofits trying to give back. They've been, you know, great for uh, SEAL communities, uh, the Ranger community. They're really just looking to make sure that the equipment that they're developing can go towards the kind of fitness that individuals in the military are pursuing. Um, And that's something that is a a reasonable, uh, cost-efficient means so that you're not priced out of looking good, but also feeling good when you work out. And as Bobby said, the tactical short line is great. I've got some of their running shorts they're great on my legs now that i have lost a little bit of weight training up for the iron man stuff but uh 10, has just been a great brand we, we talk with them weekly now and uh, it, again it's just been we're very grateful for this opportunity uh to continue going forward into the partnership
0: yeah, speaking of fitness sean uh i know you had a big day yesterday
1: yeah that was fun i did the poconos triathlon which was a, a half Ironman man or like a mile and a half short on the bike of a full half ironman um, but it was a 1.2 mile swim a little over 54 mile bike and then a half marathon run and this is all in preparation for my September ironman in Maryland
0: What was the uh, the hardest part of it did you what, what did you learn from doing this half uh,
1: The bike I'm I'm not a fan of the bike first off I started off the morning Not so great. Uh, I was super nervous for anyone that's been to ranger school that that first day when you've got all your bags prepped and someone's going to drop you off at the schoolhouse is exactly how I felt. I made sure my my tires were inflated and then I'm sitting there eating breakfast and uh, all of a sudden I hear this loud pop and my front tube just pops. And I've got 20 minutes before I've got to get in the car and and get down to uh, the staging area. So change the tire. And I'm like, all right, that's not ideal. But now I've used the only spare tube that I've brought with me. And I'm afraid if I'm out on this course, because I've been riding my indoor trainer exclusively, if I have another blown tire, I'm going to have to use this blown tube with a patch in it to get me through. And lo and behold, uh, 40 miles in, which was a very, very, I think there was like 3,500 feet of elevation climb, I had another flat. And uh, the flat took over 30 minutes to fix because not only did I have a flat, I at first thought maybe it was just uh, too little pressure in the back wheel, took it off, uh, changed the tube out when I put it back in, uh, it went flat again. And now I'm concerned I got got a double flat. And then what I realized is the uh, tube had not been sitting clean within the actual tire itself. It had balled up. And so it had actually popped out part of uh, the tire. And so I essentially had to take my back wheel off twice in that time, hand pumping it up on the side of the road before an individual came with an air compressor to, to help me pump it up as part of the staff. But uh, that was a, a longer bike than I was anticipating. It was a lot of fun, and all in all, I felt incredibly strong both on the swim, the bike, and the run. Especially the run coming off the the fifty four miles plus on the hills. I went into it and I, w- I was cruising at an eight hundred five to an eight twenty for the first seven miles, um, and then just started slowing down a little bit to go hit aid stations. And uh, it was a great time. I I felt great. I feel great right now. I don't. My legs don't feel too tired. I think I can go out and, and run and bike right now, but. Uh, awesome experience. I highly recommend people to get into triathlon uh, if you need a you know a fitness motivational event to train for.
0: As far as the uh, swim goes, that's always the event that I've always had the most anxiety for, like an open water swim with a bunch of people coming off the line. Did you like have to kick anybody in the face? Or were we kicking the face at all?
1: I did give someone a horse kick to the chest. They did a time trial start, which I was really grateful for. I think we had 200 plus individuals doing this longer triathlon. And something that I was a little annoyed by, I'm not the world's greatest swimmer, but I'm also not bad. And the time trial start was prefaced with, if you are a good swimmer, get up front. Uh, if you are a regular, get up front. If this is your first race, which it was mine, or a slow swimmer, midway through the pack or in the rear. So I waited till about midway to two-thirds back. I passed every single person that was ahead of me, maybe save like that front crew. And not a single person passed me on the swim, which for me indicates that individuals were pushing themselves forward on the start line that should not have been there. And it was kind of annoying trying to swim through them. When I looked at my, my map of the swim, the first half of it, it just looks like a, a destroyer swim. from World War II yeah, trying to avoid a U-boat. Um, and the second one is much more straight, but that was the only thing. And then someone tried to swim on top of me over a buoy and, uh, you know, got, got my heel into their chest and I, I just blew them out. Then after that, but yeah, the swim was weird the, the only other open water swim I did was down at, uh, long branch in Jersey where I threw up in the water. Uh, because the the tide and the rolls were so aggressive that after a while swimming parallel to the shore, like, I got nauseated, and I'm just sitting there in my wetsuit just vomiting into the ocean, and then decided like after 35 minutes I probably wasn't safe and I should just finish the day out. So yeah, it's, I couldn't see the bottom of the, the lake, but uh, once you got used to that and sighting the shoreline, it, it felt great not having to hit a wall and do flip turns.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine, like, you know, I'm not the best swimmer. I'm an okay swimmer, but some of get like, the anxiety of, like, being in a crowd and, like, not having space would, like, I feel like would really freak me out.
1: It does. And one of the things new swimmers compared to amateurs and pros start figuring out is everyone, when they swim at the very beginning, thinks that all of your power and your speed comes from your kick. And so newer swimmers, you'll you'll see them ahead of you, and they have massive kicks. I mean, they must separate their back feet by 18, 24 inches. And moving your legs takes way more oxygen up than moving your arms does. Uh, and there were a lot of times during the swim itself where I wasn't even kicking. Uh, the wetsuit has some natural buoyancy in it, but my feet were just dragging, and I'm just pulling. And I would I would change up kind of every minute sometimes if I was doing, you know, like – 25 strokes to 35 strokes based on on passing people but that power and that glide comes from your shoulders from that first catch into the water how you're pushing it underneath yourself that's one thing that i've really been trying to develop so i can get faster and faster but i'm completely confident right now i could go swim 2.4 and be pretty relaxed coming out of the water for a bike
0: Hmm. how about uh nutrition wise how did you manage nutrition and hydration during this
1: pretty badly I i didn't hit a wall uh, and again, I felt great on, on everything, but I've been practicing where I have about 70 to 90 grams of carbs per hour. And for me, that's a full uh, mm-hmm. bottle of Gatorade. It's two goos and uh, additionally, maybe like a, a kind of like a Cliff Bar or a Honey Stinger, you know, something along those lines, like the, the Energy Chews. All I did on the bike ride yesterday was Gatorade and... I had four of my six goos and none of my chewables. And so I was really afraid I was going to hit a wall and just crash, but I didn't because I've bonked on my bike doing a four plus hour ride right now. And it's because I felt like I wasn't eating effectively, but I think it's, I'm figuring out that like I I'm getting enough carbs and maybe it just, I'm just totally bored sitting on a bike indoors.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Cause I remember like uh, some days when I was running like back in my, running days um like very, there are days where, like if i didn't eat enough or i wasn't really staying on top of the nutrition i would definitely feel way worse off and it's interesting that you like didn't you like under ate than your normal and still like didn't, didn't still felt well i wonder if it was like because of the because the breaks from uh your tires popping meant of like giving your body like time to recover
1: Yeah, that absolutely might have been because that was at the bottom of the second lap on what is like their steepest two-mile, 650-foot you know, change in elevation hill that they were advertising. It might also have been I just – I had a lot to eat the day prior in preparation, so maybe that was a different strategy than I have on my normal weekly training regime. But I felt really good, and I expected maybe during the run I would hit something, but just – I absolutely felt great on the run. I could have – probably gone another five to six miles before feeling like, oh, my legs are sore. Because in training, I've been doing the most that they have me doing on my long brick workouts is, you know, anywhere from a four to four and a half hour bike ride right now with a 30 minute just run. And my runs have felt great. But the next day is when I have my really long runs, where they're two to, you know, two hours and 45 minutes. And I feel awful on those by the time i'm an hour and a half in i almost feel like walking sometimes i'll stop for water uh, i didn't even come close to feeling as bad on my run yesterday as i do you know 3 quarters of the way through on a training week so i, I don't know what the, what can what should account for that because i wasn't hyped up like a race i just looked at it like i would tell myself at the 6 mile mark you're just going for a 10k run with your company when i hit the 4 mile mark it was you're doing a cool down run with one of your squads. And that's how I motivated myself to mm-hmm. look at these distances and, and run them in an effective time.
0: So you, it was more of like a training event than like a competition for you.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I was not trying to crush anyone. All I wanted to do was see, can I feel comfortable doing a half Ironman. I want to feel comfortable enough where I finish the race, knowing that granted you're going to be sore to an extent, but if I had to continue doing one of those events, if not all three, that would not have been a problem. I, I wanted to use this as a could I do this exact same pace on a full distance Ironman, albeit not on a course that was so hilly. Because both the run and the, the bike were way hillier than Jersey City and New York City are. I mean, this is this is flat compared to the you know heart of the Poconos. Yeah,
0: the Poconos are not, you know, east, either the East Coast's. Uh Mount uh, Mount Rainier you know
1: yeah no not absolutely not and I heard some people that were there at the race either they'd lived in Colorado or from Colorado and someone was saying oh you know this is so hilly and they're like bro this is nothing man like remember when we were climbing this and I just wanted to turn around and be like shut the fuck up like <laughs> no one needs to hear you brag about how you've done hills 10 times bigger than this, or you've done the triple bypass from from Denver out to Aspen, congratulations, and you did it at elevation when there's less oxygen. We all get it. Everyone is here for the same reason. I wish I could give you my medal. You're so cool. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, you just realize, even like I was really pissed off because I was, I was going at a pretty good pace on my bike, uh, and I was anticipating finishing that really hilly course in about three hours to 310, and I was really happy about that. And I ended up finishing around like 340 because, again, it took me 30 plus minutes. And by that time, I started getting passed by a whole crew of people that you know I had no business ever losing to. And I had to remind myself, I'm not doing the Ironman to race anybody but myself. I, mm-hmm. I, I set out to do this to show that like, I can pick a new fitness uh, target. I can hit it. I can do it with, you know, with some fun and I have my personal goals, but they shouldn't be based off anyone else. And I think that's part of like the maturity that I've got to develop and I have been developing through all this.
0: Yeah, it's like the, uh, the run your race aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I don't is, you know, I, I didn't want to be hitting like these mental walls thinking I should not do this. Now, I will say they started The swim in a time trial fashion And I started towards the back of that Out of respect to individuals that clearly look like They've done Ironman before or half Ironman They started the Olympic distance one Immediately after us So the guys were swimming uh, A little bit less Than the 1.2 mile swim And they only had one loop on this bike course Dude I had my doors blown off By probably 10 of the individuals that were competing in this Olympic distance. And I knew exactly kind of where I was when I got out of the water after catching people. And on my bike, I passed a couple in the first probably 15 miles. But in that same time period, all of a sudden I'm seeing people fly by me with these teardrop faced uh, helmets on. I- I've got arrow bars on my road bike, but they have the full TT bike set up and I'm, I'm going about 75 to 85 RPM. I don't have my power uh, output, but I'm probably around 200 to 210 Watts. These individuals flew by me. I mean, like I felt like I was standing still and I'm just like, are those the other bikes? Oh my God. Is this the, are these guys doing the long distance? I really hope not. Cause that's not how fast I'm going. And then I, I find out, you know, they were one lap and done but they were some of these guys were flying and i if i had had to do that half distance i would not have been still anywhere near their speed so it's really impressive you can't judge a book by its cover and it's the same thing with these triathletes if i were to look at them in normal people clothes you would say oh, they're normal people and then you see them on a bike and they fucking fly you see them in the water the water's kind of a great equalizer but then you see them on the run and they're pulling five five thirties to five forty fives on on a 10k and then some of them are even doing that on a half iron man to a full iron man it's just it's a whole other world of endurance training that like i've dipped my toe into it these individuals are you know eye level deep I, yeah yeah i was
0: like uh i thought it was interesting like seeing some of the power outputs for like smaller dudes and it's very interesting because you know you the power weight like body weight ratio and like the elite ones where I get three like Watts to like kilogram or whatever, like a three point oh ratio and like an average person is like 1.5 or like one.
1: Yeah. It, and it's, it's sometimes greater than that. There's, I, I've gotten into the triathlon YouTube kind of channels. There's no, like the Nick bear. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> Like Nick bears, but <laughs> the, the global triathlon network is great for anyone that's ever thought about like just jumping in a triathlon. That's a great resource. They, they talk about everything from the gear that you need to your training regimes um, that you can then take and make your own, but you know you got guys like Lionel Sanders, Sam Long, um, and these guys have really fun, engaging content. And you'll hear some of them talk. Oh yeah, in this race, I held about a 400 watt for 30 minutes to catch up to the lead pack out of the water. And I'm sitting there having you know done FTP tests and do a lot of my intervals. I think I've hit 400 watts a handful of times, and that's like an all-out. And to hear these guys with their – and their legs don't look like what we think strong legs look like. I mean they're not like Bobby ripping through his his jeans type like Hulk legs from squats. These guys, th- their leg is just muscle, and they turn at such a high volume, and their aerobic capacity is to such the degree that you know they might weigh – I don't know seventy kilos, and their average is a three and a half to four uh, watts per kilogram, and and they just absolutely fly at those speeds, and they're averaging twenty five miles, twenty four miles an hour for the duration of an Ironman finishing, you know, over just over you know four plus hours, and then getting off and still running like a two thirty full marathon. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. They're finishing in under eight hours nowadays, and these individuals are just continuing to dial in that kind of expertise it blows my mind like it's one of the most impressive things now like switching kind of sports and being good at working out um that that i've ever seen
0: yeah because it's like a different fitness or different energy system like for those guys you talk about more so like your capillary density and mitochondrial density of your, of your uh your muscle cells which is just a different like um I guess not a different pathway, but just like a modified pathway of like your normal like CrossFit lifter. who relies more on just like the like muscle density rather than like energy metabolism. But that's and why I also talk- like CrossFit so big into like doing like the zone two training now. Like that's real big in CrossFit. Like Matt Frederick talks about it like hopping on the bike for an hour at the zone two. Like everybody does it now. It's like the hot new hotness to like work on that in baseline endurance and uh, work capacity.
1: The problem that I have with zone two, and I think I'm going to have with it until like the end of this Ironman in September, is I don't have the patience for it sometimes. Like it is more uncomfortable to run at these 9 to nine fifteen paces for me to sit at my zone two heart rate than it is just dropping a full minute off that running faster with 10 to 15 more beats per minute. You know, I, I, I don't understand that. I totally get the science behind it says the guy that can't explain the science behind it. But I, I generally get it. And, you know, in talking about Nick Barrett, that, that's another great channel. If you want to see someone that's in the military that has, albeit a ton more time on their hand with fitness, cause, like that is his thing, like that whole fitness image. For an individual that probably weighs, I don't know, what you think, 2, 205?
0: Yeah, I think it's like 200, yeah.
1: 2, 20, like he was training up for the full – uh, which he did down in, in Panama City Beach, I guess, last year, right around the time that I was thinking about doing something like this. He he did the Challenge Series down in Cabo or Cancun. I mean, the dude is a big dude. Like, everyone knows what Nick Bear looks like. If you don't, you can go find his YouTube or Instagram. Uh, but for an individual that still lifts and squats the 315+, plus, to then go and comfortably run sub-eight-minute miles on a half marathon – um, or, you know, he broke three hours on a full marathon like six months ago. I mean, like the the dude does a ton of working out with fitness between lifting and his running. And I think he's doing like the Leadville 100 uh, in August. I mean, but like it's fun to look at different individuals taking on fitness challenges. I'm not advocating you have to do it like these people or their way is the best. But finding what you want to do in fitness, there's a ton of individuals and resources out there that you can go educate yourself on that – are trying to teach you and show you what right may look like
0: and then I will say that um, aside from competing you can also approach fitness from a health and longevity standpoint and just work out to keep your body healthy which is what I've kind of transitioned towards um, especially with residency being busy um, I just try and get my you know hour a day of a lifting exercise, some med cons some cardio, accessory movements and bodybuilding stuff just to help to make me feel better and you know I've been doing a lot of like kettlebell movements and, uh, I actually got like a steel mace and like the, the steel clubs, like work with that for my shoulders. Um, kind of enjoy it. It's been interesting trying out different fitness things.
1: Dude. I wish I had picked up this kind of a hobby when I was still in, because on a normal day in the military, I felt like I could work out two to three hours. Like that was fine. You could, you could get away with a long two hour PT block unless your company commander wanted to have really useless morning sinks every single day, your lunchtime, you could take an hour to an hour and a half really uh, if you didn't have anything going on. And so that would have been like the perfect opportunity to dedicate towards the PT in the morning with your cardio, your lunchtime lifts, and then generally your weekends being, you know, free and clear to, to do longer brick workouts. But between, for me at least this year, school being – an increase in the volume of reading, uh, research, job applications, that kind of stuff. Now starting my, my legal internship again, like I just, I don't know where the time goes. I I try to, if I can get to the gym once a day for like a 30 to 40 minute basic, basic weightlifting session on top of the cardio that I'm doing, that's like the best day ever when it comes to fitness. But that's like few and far between. I might get, I might get to the gym three to four times a week to be honest. Um, and it's really hard just maintaining my size. Like in the last month and a half, I think I've lost, about 10 to 15 pounds uh with with work starting and, and really focusing on cardio but not getting to lift as much
0: yeah it's definitely a, a, a huge challenge um which makes you kind of wonder like why in the military people like have such a hard time you know losing weight or meeting the standard
1: oh <laughs> yeah, yeah i think the i think the standards are just i don't know We we keep trying to redefine what army fitness looks like and I remember my parents talking about it when they were in towards the end of the cold war all of their senior NCOs were were Vietnam veterans and I mean they were they were humping everywhere I mean and and they were like the lean mean type soldiers that you know all those cadence songs were were talking about the the same from World War II and I feel like GWAT see and we've talked about it before has really crippled us when it comes to fitness standards because we've gotten i think complacent with technology allowing us to stay one step ahead of an enemy and now in a peer-to-peer realm that technology is just not there any longer we're going to have to get back to being able to move without vehicles undercover that kind of stuff
0: yeah i would say like uh you know, especially like with the ACFD coming out, and it's you know we've talked before about the ACFD being a good, a, good, a pretty good test of fitness, but we still don't really have a you know good test besides like a twelve mile ruck march of like doing the actual like long endurance type test. And even then, like the twelve mile foot march is like kind of a joke too. If you think about it, like a thirty five well, pound ruck, like thirty five pounds. Realistic. I
1: mean, and that blows my mind. I remember when we were at Triple C, we had to do the the twelve mile, which I wanted to go to the Marine Corps. Uh, because they had, I think, a a 20-mile or a 24-mile ruck at the end of their infantry captain's career course, and it was Mm -hmm. required that every infantry officer had to do it. But I remember it was 35 pounds, and we did it as part of our seminar teams, and people were seriously coming in at 245, 250, and some of them were were struggling. And we even had an instructor there that had like 32 or 33 pounds. Now, he was an untabbed armor officer, which just goes back to me complaining how we need infantry captain's career course and not maneuver like just we're not equal like do not lump us into the same category if we're going to have separate branches otherwise like what's the point of someone having a blue cord and another guy having you know a shiny belt buckle and a, a dumb cowboy hat like defeats the purpose I mean
0: yeah I got you um but yeah I was you know find it very I don't I guess, like, annoying that, like, most, you know, dudes, guys in the Army just don't have, like, the, I, I don't know, like, if it's, like, motivation or, like, drive to like, do well physically. Because, like, if you really wanted to, you have, like, I remember, you know, back in the day, like lieutenant, like, do, like, two hours of work, a PT in the morning with the unit, at lunchtime, take an hour of lunch, by lunchtime, make like, a workout, and, like, lift weights, and then, you know there's just so much more time for like fitness back in the day. And then like now I'm lucky if I get like an hour at like seven o'clock at night when I get home or six o'clock at night to
1: get a workout in real fast before I get dinner and go to bed. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, what? one thing I never felt when I was in the military was mentally fatigued. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I feel it all the time now because I'm just racking my brain over research and writing requirements and memos and all the other things that I'm doing like related to the law, which I'm sure is only, compounded with the work that you're doing medically, but I don't understand people writing fitness off for, for junior officers. It almost seems like a a running joke. Oh, like, you know, okay, sir, let's go on a 10 mile run type thing. But the military is, is not difficult. I, people have been doing essentially the same thing you have been doing for the last 30 to 40 years. Like tactics have not changed that drastically since people were jumping into into normandy you still have the same kind of setup on an ambush you uh, generally other than doing a you know a frontal assault like you've got better technology and weaponry now but it's not new and and you've got a lot of people that you can rely on so to say that you don't have to be super fit to do those things like i just say why wouldn't you want to be super fit to do those things you you literally have nothing else to do you're going to learn how to do the tactics you're going to learn how to employ your weapon systems you're going to learn how to counsel people doing all that doesn't take the entire day so why not spend the other little bit to at least look the part and to look like you are just a very deadly dangerous human being because that's what you're getting paid to do you should remind yourself of that
0: yeah I always like I always like uh, like reminding people that you know you're literally paid to stay in shape whether that be like you know ACFT whatever but like you know a significant part of being you know a soldier is being physically fit so you should hold yourself in such a manner that you know you're being paid to maintain your fitness and there's so many yeah. resources now like uh i remember like all the like i remember back in the day the gyms were like trash as like a lieutenant but now like on post when i go to the gyms they're like there's way more resources in terms of like equipment gym space you know p- trainers and then there's just a, I feel like way more resources now, it makes it easier to, to get a good workout. in than before you would like, finally you're doing like, you know, like cleans with like the shitty, like, you know, like that these.
1: smooth, smooth bar with yeah. no collars and
0: yeah, yeah. you had to
1: do them with iron plates, but you couldn't drop it because you didn't want someone getting mad because you were that idiot doing CrossFit when all of your, your squad leaders that couldn't lift their own body weight were just trying to shit on it. Cause everyone else was.
0: Yeah but those are the days and now it's uh i think kind of in a better spot in terms of fitness especially you know even like the uh the army crossfit team i think has done a decent job of like introducing some of these like things like uh the hospital like we just reopened our staff gym like a couple like last month and it's a pretty sweet setup it's really sweet they've got like two like full like collapsible racks they've got bars bomber plates some kettlebells they have a rower and a salt bike and like a box it's so, like kind of like the basic stuff that you need to do like pretty good like cross functional fitness workout and like i remember like going in there and like someone like uh who was i talking to like someone like one of the senior doctors was just like what is this shit it's crap what is this crossfit gym and i was like this is like all you need for fitness like you- this is a great gym this is the all the- this is like the bare sentence that you need to have to like, kill yourself with a good workout
1: i i don't understand when crossfit became synonymous with kind of like a jerk um You know a a very vain type Individual that wants to do These weird movements and I think it just it goes back to the The staff officers Just thinking that All you need to do is run do push-ups and do Sit-ups and that makes you a fit soldier Because that's like That's literally 99% of Every brigade command team I've ever Seen that's the only workout they ever do they've never Set foot in a gym except to tell people to get Out during PT hours
0: yeah, and then you know it's been actually really nice having the the staff gym because like if I have, if I'm on call or if I'm stuck in the hospital I can like there's third a couple of days where I've worked out twice on the same day just because I have nothing else to do, which is really nice because otherwise you know the other day before that I was like had, I would like bring kettlebells in my truck and like work out of the b- work out of the back of my truck at work,
1: and it's like yeah, the, I, it's annoying you could do that, that at, you could do that in the field too like for yeah. for all these people that are going to the field. I, I had to do ops down at, at Pinion Canning when I was still in, and I, I made part of the work. I was like, I'm just going to go to one of the company co and and sign out a company's kettlebells that you know they aren't using and do that. And so when people go to the field, I, I'm surprised that P, that individuals do not put a bigger emphasis on taking something because you're not going to be doing just sticks for two weeks straight. You may be on a full month-long rotation to, to JRTC, but you're still going to have a week here, a week there to maintain your fitness standards. So people need to make it a priority to pack something simple, like a kettle, like one 70 pound kettlebell you could wreck yourself with so easily between the goblet squats, between the single arm snatches, the push presses, uh, the, the devil's rows and presses. I mean, like all the kind of stuff that you can play with, figure it out. And just, that's what being fit, enables you to do you can get one item and then just go and 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 create something for yourself that challenges you don't don't pick the same lane every single time either
0: yeah like um like typically like out of my truck the things that i will bring with me if i'm going on like an away rotation without a gym or like to work and i don't have access to the gym put a sandbag put a kettlebell, and then some bands with those three like relatively simple implements you can do a lot of things with them and then that's that's really like you can still get a good workout in without having to sacrifice you know just going after just like going for a run and you push from sales you can do like an actual workout
1: yeah absolutely I think the other part of that too is perspective when individuals feel like they have to go somewhere for a week or two weeks that they're gonna lose so much and it's one of those I might as well just not bring anything because if I have to just do something with a kettlebell the the, the marginal gains that I might make on that are are meaningless compared to what I'm going to lose from my bench press for the next two weeks. or you know. So it's I don't want to bring it because I don't feel like I'm going to be contributing to my overall strength. And I don't want to bring it because I feel like it's going to be doing the same thing as doing nothing. And I think people need to get away from that and see it as what it is like you're keeping your body moving just maybe eat less and you won't come out of the field either feeling fluffy or softer for it
0: yeah and it's like people i think underestimate the um like the benefit of just doing a little bit like doing just a little just a little bit of stimulus goes a long way in terms of staving off like you know atrophy or losing gains um you don't have to like you know do like three by you know like five sets of 10 on back squat to keep your gains in the field like you can do like you know you probably get away with just like doing a couple sets of like goblet squats and then do like a medcon with like some squats or something like that yeah maybe and that's all you really need to do just a little bit of something to it's better than nothing
1: one of the things i like doing is uh between the 50 and the 70 pound kettlebell i would do every minute on the minute like 10 to 20 squats with it and i would do that for about 10 minutes and so I would, I would get either anywhere between 100 to you know 200 of these squats in 10 minutes. And my legs would feel burned. And then I would like, okay, after this, I'm going to do maybe some single leg uh, squats. I'm going to do something where I'm doing a sprint like 5 5s or burpees over the goblet squat. And when you look around and see yourself at a talk, which is the environment that I was in, and you had these changeover shifts. As soon as the changeover happened, there were days that I was literally behind the projector after a brief happened and I had the same amount of space that a desk would take up and I would just work out there and people could see my legs underneath the projector when I was working out and some people would be like, oh, he's just trying to get after it. He's just, you know, all he cares about is fitness. It's like, what what else would I be doing at that point? My job is now done. I can go to bed or I can work out. Like I don't, I, I don't understand why there's a negative stereotype with people looking to get fitness in any way they can
0: yeah that's a that's a that's a good point too because i feel like that's a very strong like uh you know undercurrent in like people today is that maybe like especially in the army too like you look seen as like a try hard if you like go work out more and like i feel like it's kind of the same stigma almost in like in medicine because it's like you know, I'm not doing anything, I'm gonna go work out. And then people are like, oh, you're gonna go work out, it must be nice, you know, to go work out. But it's just like, exactly. it's like so we, so we have the exact time. same
1: schedule. Like you you, could, have, so much you time. could have gone and go work out, yeah. Um, and it just goes back to the mental component of being in the military is not so challenging that you taking the 40 minutes to go work out extra during that day should be spent doing red and blue analysis. Or should be spent linking up with the S2 so that they can tell you there's going to be one squad with an RPG, a PKM, and AK-47s. Like, I don't need to spend any more time having them tell me exactly what I've known since a second lieutenant was going to be, you know, facing us in every single environment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get my fit in because it sucks when you're out on target and you're tired. Like you do not feel like you are bringing the same fight to the enemy that the people around you are expecting. You, you should be so fit that if they drop you at 9,500 feet of elevation, it's not going to kill you for three days to move around at high intensity against somebody like that. That should be your fitness goal. Not, uh, I'll be in an MRAP the whole time. So why bother?
0: Yeah. But I think if you like, uh, you know, Con- compare and contrast with like conventional army versus like i wouldn't even, i wouldn't say soft because like some elements of like soft aren't probably like don't put that much in emphasis on physical fitness as well but like at least in ranger regiment like that was you know in my mind like, kind of the apex of, of physical fitness where like pt was pt and then everybody did pt and you know got after it during the morning yeah like, it can- was
1: like part of the big five it was like number one
0: and it was a, that was always a nice perspective, it's just, like, seeing every morning showing up to work and, like, being, you know, probably being a little tired and then, you know, like not wanting to, like, crush yourself or, like, go do a hard workout, but then you go to the gym and then you see everybody else crushing it, like, getting after it, and that kind of makes you get after it. And, like, nobody would ever, like, shame you for, like, doing extra work or working out harder.
1: No, I and you had so many individuals that I, – what I loved about the five-miler is – Unlike a two-miler where if, if people were struggling to hold an eight-minute pace for at least that 17- to 21-year-old male category where the cutoff was a 1556, and I'm dating myself now back in the military talking about the APFT. But in regiment, the five-mile was – like you, you had to have an an endurance uh, component to your fitness. But I, I still – I remember had a squad leader, did not know how to do a clean and jerk. I, I, shit you not, could not, did not understand the different metrics of the pool, you know, how to rotate under, and I had another squad leader that was a little bit smaller than them, uh, could do the proper technique, but just wasn't that strong, and they were trying to see who could outlift one, and I think one guy got up to, like, 295 for a full clean, but my other squad leader, who literally looked like the Hulk, just picked the, pick 245 up off the ground with, like, a, you know, a reverse curl, and then just held it here and they did like a push press. And I remember looking at him going, oh my God, like just – the strength on this guy like if if he had technique he'd be doing 315 345 easily he was just that strong of an individual but then that dude could go turn around and run a 38 39 minute five mile which in the regiment is is not fast compared to the dudes breaking 30 but still he could have that strength and be that jacked for what you know everyone else wants to be i think in the conventional side of the house but he still had his cardio he didn't let the cardio go you know, for the sake of an extra pound or two on these movements, so that—that's whenever I hear people complaining that you're going to lose your strength if you focus on on cardio, it just—I—it I, confuses me because I guess maybe they've not seen it before. If they seen my squad leader, they would have gone, okay, you can be decent at cardio to the extent that the army needs you to be, but you can also be a complete manimal. So I think we just maybe that's where I think the Abrams Charter can really come in. Look at how we've come full circle to this. The Abrams Charter is good because it shows the conventional army you can be everything in fitness uh, without being, you know, bad at one piece uh, or or just great at another.
0: Yeah, which you know, which 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 is what I think the ACFT is trying to push is like you know all the fitness rather than just push up sit ups and
1: run. Yeah, I think it's great. I just wish the metrics were a little bit more difficult, or I wish we stuck to the idea that it needs to be uh, gender neutral or branch specific, but I don't know. I'm not in any longer. I don't honestly know how we're going to handle that. I mean, we, we missed it a couple weeks ago, but I guess the army got slammed for a number of cartoon commercials. And then a couple weeks ago, it was like, what's your Zodiac sign? Do you want to join the military? (laughs) Like what does being a Taurus say about your abilities? Oh, that means you're going to be a comotech. tech. Like, I don't understand where just a year ago, you and I were talking about how Uh, A former ranger that got out was helping develop these really awesome, badass kind of army ranger commercials where I think dudes from 375 were filmed doing, you know, clearing drills and, you know, in their razors in the desert and fast roping and jumping and all the stuff that that gets me going and wanting to join to now kind of focusing on the softer branches of the army like. I mean, you're still in, do you, do you think we're missing more of the infantry types that we need? Or do you think that we're in the right direction going and pushing towards, Hey, we need these soft skilled, high IQ individuals. We don't need the dumb infantrymen anymore. We need someone that's going to be able to fight in the technology field that's emerging.
0: You know, it's hard for me to say coming from the medical side of things, but, um, I mean, there are guys that I've, or people that I've met that are like trying actively trying to get out of the medical side. There was like a uh, one of the floor nurses who was like enlisted dude went to SFAS a couple of weeks ago. There's another nurse I know about that's going to SFAS as an as a nurse. Like essentially, you know, leaving. You know, you went. He's a nurse now. He's gonna go to SFAS in August. Um, there was a, an X-ray tech. Funny story that uh, there's an X-ray tech that went to go. Um, that went to RASP as a thirteen. Try to as a thirteen fox. There's like a bunch of people that. I've run into it in the hospital that are you know, actually trying to go and do like cool things. Um, So I think maybe that, you know, people just aren't, maybe there's an aspect of not being exposed or being, or understanding what the army can potentially be. And rather you're kind of like, uh, kind of like stuck in, you know, a soft skill or that you're not really enjoying or, you know, that's not really challenging you.
1: One of the things that I really disliked about, Individuals going after these commercials was they, these commercials weren't running on primetime TV. The commercials I've seen for Join the Army Now are still kind of the Avengers finger snap, where it's like pick your operator and it kind of makes every single branch in the army look cool. That they've still got your maneuver piece, they've got your support people. Um, and it looks very almost video game-esque where they're looping everything into a a seamless shot and and it's all this like yellow-orange, very kind of cool, maybe like a post-movie credit type uh, feel. That's the only kind of commercial that I've seen for Join the Army or the very hardcore be an Army Ranger, be an Army Green Beret, just like all the Navy ever recruits is for SEALs. Like, that's the cool stuff, but these other the, the softer commercials that I feel like are maybe coming out are probably tied towards online, you know, internet providers where it's a mm-hmm. someone's on a a Buzzfeed or someone's on a online gaming uh, channel, and that that's what's gonna pop up because the Army's probably said, hey, if the individuals are interested in joining the military or have an interest to join this is probably going to be geared more towards them. We don't need to be showing somebody that's really into, you know, maybe this like nerdier stuff, the, the Ranger just lugging a hundred pounds everywhere. We need to show them somebody working in the same capacity that they want to work where it's that gamey technical nerd life, but, but still wearing the uniform. So I just don't understand why we, we hated so much on this one aspect of marketing that probably makes up like a minuscule social media presence that the army is really pushing for
0: yeah i mean at the end of the day you know the army is trying to they probably don't need to put as much effort into recruiting like 11 bravo like those guys that want to go join the army to get deployed and go like go like shoot stuff are going to do that regardless what commercial they see like those guys are going to do that regardless but i think you know the commercials that we do see are the ones that are, are going at or targeting or perhaps trying to recruit you know the people that you know you're more less i guess you're less like motivated people that are more interested in kind of the skills that can get out of the military learning new skills or being more marketable as a future they don't see it as a career but maybe like as a you know as a way of developing themselves to become a better you know candidate in the workforce you know everybody joins with different reasons and i think lumping everybody into like the you know the meat eater that wants to that that wants to you know close with them and destroy the enemy is probably not the same you're not gonna get the same results
1: yeah one type of person's gonna love watching like an army of the dead or a kong vs godzilla the other one is probably going to be watching like you know perks of being a-, a wallflower or something like but you need both in the military and i think it's very selfish of people to look at a commercial that is clearly not geared towards them that has an interest in joining and going oh, they've completely lost my uh, application. I will no longer be joining the military Or How come it's not about me? Like, it should always be about me. I, I love that I'm an infantryman. I love that I'm a paratrooper. Every single Army commercial should be about me and validate my service. It just goes back to the whole thank you for your service mentality that we've really grown accustomed to where everything has to constantly be about you. Like, just remember, it's a selfless service environment You want the best of the best. If the people that join don't meet the standard, then, hey, guess what? If you're in a leadership position, do something to to cure that deficiency. Take them out and get them fit. Motivate them to to qualify expert on their weapon system. But don't judge them before they came in just because something still motivated them the same way that it motivated you to sign up on the dotted line to to commit themselves to serving the country. Like that – that just does not compute for me. I didn't like the commercials that I saw. I just didn't think they were motivating. But again, that's because I'm motivated by that Army Ranger stuff. But it doesn't mean that those commercials don't serve a purpose and that some brave individual does not want to serve their country. Like it, You should not discount that entire commercial just because it doesn't suit your needs.
0: Yeah, I think it's just like a perspective thing that we've kind of been, been driving at mm-hmm. is that you know, everybody has a different reason for joining the military, whether it's Go infantry out like go infantry or go soft, or to you know become a drone pilot or to become a cyber you know a cyber analyst in order to develop skills that you can then transfer over to the private sector like I bridge ones for different reasons at the end of the day we need a well-balanced military force that can support you know the broad spectrum of operations and you know at the end of the day too you think about like pro- forecasting out for future conflict like it's very rare, you know. It's become more and more technically driven as far as the future of warfare goes, and you know, people are saying like, um want to go to the war with like a near peer like China, or Russia. It's like, if you go to the war with them, it's not going to be like, all you know, it's not going to be the same thing as like flying. You have the air, you have ground, you have everything on top of you to support you. You're going to be much at a much lower, or you know, operating capability than you would in Afghanistan against goat herders.
1: Hey, you're going to lose air superiority in in way more uh, conflict situations. Whether you have naval support is another question. So there's a whole bunch of things that go into the fight other than just the the trigger that you may be pulling. And here's something, and we've talked about it too, for individuals that are looking to transfer out of the military. While I love the infantry and I love the field artillery and I tolerate armor and engineers, (laughs) guess what guys like it's going to be way more difficult for you to find a job to tell people about your skills when you get out compared to these people that you you know you don't like commercials geared towards because those individuals are learning technical skills that are transferable when it comes to supply chain management when it comes to technical communications devices that a ton of companies are now using because they're commercially available you're just going to bring to the table i'm probably fit I probably shoot well and I managed 4 to 6 people at one point. Like that's that's one of the things like for me when I was looking at do I want to go back to school or do I want to go to the workforce, sure I have some leadership component that every single army officer and NCO can discuss. But I don't have any technical skills that separate me from the person that got an English degree that's 23 years old competing for the same kind of consulting gig coming out after eight years. And I think it's now something that a lot of people are seeing and choosing to go back to school. But it's way more difficult because if there's anything COVID has shown individuals, it's what is my self-worth? To the marketplace, oh, if the market's gonna be bad for a year or two, I'm going to school. So, for all you junior officers, NCOs that are thinking about going out and going back to higher education, like you can no longer really rely on that military service to get you into those top programs anymore. It's gonna be a much more holistic look at you, just like the 26, 27 year old that never served but now has four to five years of some sort of technical skill in the private practice that's competing for that one slot into the mba or jd program you're looking at
0: yeah which i think you know kind of strengthens the argument of doing some work while you're in the military you know doing some stuff on the side or working on other skills and rather than getting stuck into the you know show up to work every day at six o'clock dpt go home at the end of the day like there's plenty of time like i have you know buddies that have gotten you know advanced degrees while they're still in or that the army is paid for or done like a post-baccalaureate program and get into med school instead like you, if you, you know, are interested in getting out eventually there, are, there are a lot of opportunities that, that you can leverage in the army that, um, that you shouldn't just like shrug at and
1: just and write off. Absolutely. And if I, if I had to sign up again and I was a, a junior officer, I think I signed an ad. So to make sure I got infantry, I would probably also try to compete for a grad. So because you get paid while you're going to school. You're getting school paid for. You're getting probably two years off. You're going to do some sort of like an internship with the military over that summer, which is still a huge break for you and, and you know, hopefully your family by that point in your career. And then if you want to stay in, you get a couple more years of service. You might get out as like a junior staff officer or you might decide to stay in. But now you have a worthwhile graduate degree. And I think it's no longer that an undergrad degree is enough to make yourself competitive for some of these big jobs that people think they're going to be getting when they transfer out of the military. I've, I've heard everyone say oh, I'm going to have a six-figure paying job. Okay, well, you know, if you think you're going to have a six-figure paying job, understand that maybe the cap that you'll ever make is only 20 to 30k higher than that initial salary that you're earning because you don't have that that extra degree or you're coming in at 30 to 32 and eventually the person that's been working there for eight years will always be ahead of you when it comes to the senior positions. You're always gonna be a mid level kind of cog in the wheel. Like if you want to take on that extra challenge, get a worthwhile secondary degree if you have the time and resources. And if you don't, the grad so is a great way to go about it, at least to set yourself up for after you get out and retire.
0: Yeah, but there are, you know, always different strategies and different perspectives on how to maximize your earning potential post military, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, the good or the the best will always, you know, push themselves and motivate themselves to do better. And then we'll get that top 1% job. Whereas, you know, your average or mediocre people are going to be mediocre and whatever they
1: do, you know, a-, a couple things that I wish I had done is some sort of like a language proficiency while I was still on. I, I can still speak German. German is not a global language whatsoever. I can go to a beer hall in September and converse, uh, freely with, you know, the, the, local Germans at an Oktoberfest. But if, if I look back and said, okay, I do have a lot of extra time on my hands. One, I would never play video games. I never played video games, uh, when I got in the military, but if you do get away from that, stop doing that, get like a Rosetta stone, get something, learn how to speak Chinese, learn how to speak Spanish, learn how to speak French Like you've got all of South America That has a huge market Africa is absolutely blowing up In terms of private development With all the projects that are going on there A lot of those countries speak French China is all over the globe On every single continent Running operations And a lot we talk about Africa They're doing a ton in Africa with rare earth metals And so while we think English is going to get us by Globally right now It is but China is a huge competing language So like I wish I could speak just basic Chinese. Like that would be a huge leg up in in setting yourself apart from just a regular other person that you're competing with for a job. And like we're really talking kind of like minute details on what you can do to better yourself on a resume. But language proficiency is one that will really help in a global world environment that we're kind of trending towards. Like I don't think we're ever going to go to war again. Uh, on a global sense at least you know fingers crossed we won't but so learning another language and being able to go do business elsewhere is huge like i I mean what what do you think about the whole language thing i think
0: a language is like any skill and then you should you know try to expand your skill as much as possible it's i just think it's kind of you know foolish to think that you don't need to learn another language because everybody speaks english already like that's you know just foolish and presumptuous where you know, I uh, like I learned I took Spanish in high school, and like I'm I'm like this that was like what twenty years ago in high school. Like, oh my high god, I'm so old. <laughs> But it's like funny because I still have retained somehow I still retain that Spanish that I learned in high school, and then like, occasionally with like, Spanish-speaking patients, I can like do it like some basic Spanish, like you know, just like asking them if they hurt somewhere, like what's bothering them, and it's like that little bit goes a long way as far as um, you know. Being able to communicate and like talk to a patient, you know, and that, and and then I think, you know, if you have the ability or the uh, time, definitely take advantage of learning language. It's very, it's, it will never harm you and it can only benefit you.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things I'm, I'm constantly blown away. We've got a, at Fordham, a very large international community. Uh, We've got a lot of individuals from China, we have some from Italy, and I am. Beyond, like, embarrassed by my language proficiency in English, when these individuals that you know and they're, they're speaking with an accent master the English language when it comes to law better than I am, and I'm like, and I'm like, that's that's their second or third language that they've got on their on their books. Like, I've I've got to do better. There's some I have to do something because if individuals are working that hard to master like my native language and I've not gotten to that proficiency level yet, like, there's something wrong. So, like, just think about it that way. If individuals are making this huge effort to learn English so that it can be, like, the dominant language wherever you are, just think about yourself in that position. Like, if you went and had to move to another country, you wouldn't expect everyone just to, to, you know, bow down to your... Your language skills like you would have to learn the language of that host nation so like why not prepare for that so when you get out in that eventuality of when you travel if you travel if you do business just set yourself up for success it's like like bobby was saying it's not difficult to do like that little bit goes a huge huge distance
0: yeah, absolutely um what else did they talk about sorry i kind of got off the tangent
1: oh uh do you think we're gonna have the olympics
0: uh i think so um you know at this point i think everyone's most people are vaccinated which is you know a whole other discussion in america about the vaccinations but you know internationally i think that you can still get i think the vaccinations then like the quarantine they'll, they'll probably still do the olympics I, I doubt they'll have like audiences or anything but i mean pretty much in america you have like sports events everything is opened up already like states are completely back to normal no masks kind of interesting in washington like you don't have to wear masks anymore outside but then people do So it's also, like, kind of weird i
1: don't i don't understand that either in pennsylvania uh for the triathlon nobody wore a mask anywhere it yeah. was wonderful here in jersey city people in my building are still we, we still have signs up telling us we have to wear a masks yet our governor and the cdc have both said if you're vaccinated you don't so i i don't understand why we're slowing this down still like, we've been talking about trust the science to wear the mask, but now that the science says you don't have to, we're like, no. Yeah,
0: I think it's a little bit of, I don't know, like maybe a virtue signaling or, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's kind of annoying. Very annoying at some spots when we're walking around outside. Because like we've been vaccinated since, well, how long has it been? Six months? <laughs> when it first I, came out?
1: What month is it now? June? Yeah. I, I've been, I think, vaccinated for th- four months now. Yeah,
0: and um, it's like just now every time I like open it up, and this is like, you know, there are there. I don't think there's any COVID, active COVID in my hospital right now. It's just well, like, and the,
1: but the signs on these private you know businesses, and again, they're allowed to do it. You know, they have a no shoes shirt requirement that you listen to. If they have the same thing for masks, you have to listen to it. But I don't like the language on some of the signs now that say like masks are recommended. It's like, well, okay don't say that and then so when I walk in without a mask I look like a jerk for not wearing one it should be like if you've been vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask you can if you'd like to if you are Mm -hmm. unvaccinated we recommend wearing a mask or you must wear them I just don't like the language that makes it seem if you are not in compliance with their recommendation you are somehow at least I'm reading it that way because there's just been for the last year and a half all this negative energy towards people that are anti-mask and i'm not an anti-mask person but i definitely believe in if i'm outside i don't have to wear it if i'm vaccinated i definitely shouldn't have to wear it that's like the perk of getting vaccinated right like that's the whole point we did this
0: yeah yeah and it's just like i mean you i think a lot of mass stuff goes back to like you know republican and democrat like vaxxer anti-vaxxer and all that whatever so i think it's still like tied up in that but at the end of the day it's like i think we're at this point you know, people keep like harboring doom that like there's a second wave or third wave or what have you. But the
1: fifth wave is sick listen, I got my tetanus shot. I should be able to go play on the the rusty playground. I'm good to go. Like that's my risk I'm I'm taking. But again, back to the Olympics. I'm I'm pumped. Simone Biles, our nation's like seven time gymnastic champion. I guess a couple weeks ago in competition, did a move so difficult that the judges actually score the. I don't know what they call it, the, the difficulty level lower than, you know, less difficult jumps to try to get people not to do the the move because it's so dangerous. Um, so that she could not get like, you know, ten times the amount of points than any other person. She's the only person to ever land it. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I just don't understand. Like what kind of loser mentality is that? Like if it what what was that from uh Blades of Glory, the the Lotus or something where you know like The guy's head gets chopped off if they do it incorrectly. Like, you should... Listen, if that's the risk you're willing to take, that's... But don't you dare penalize this American champion because she's doing something that is, like, that life-threatening if if she completely fails to do it. Like, she landed it. She's the winner. Sean White did the ridiculous corkscrew 9000. He's the champion. Don't penalize Americans for taking really ridiculous risks that pay off.
0: Yeah, what was, like, the... uh uh, oh yeah, the other thing about the Olympics is the transgender weightlifting.
1: Oh yeah, the ca- I that I think that's a that's a thing now. That's a
0: thing. Yeah, they're like, Yeah, so compete, I'll yeah.
1: I'll be interested to see because I know like Florida, which Pride Month is June. Day one of Pride Month, they sign a, a, an anti or I don't even know a ban on trans uh, athletes, and it's only a, a ban on uh, trans men that are. Uh, woman or female to male, or no, excuse me, uh, trans women, female. male yeah. to female competing, but but not the other way around. It's like day one of Pride Month they signed. It. Like, that's that to me, that's dickish. Like, you you probably could have signed it earlier. You could have waited a month to sign since nobody's competing in sports for all the summer in high school. Like, that, again, the timing. But I'll be really interested to see what happens with uh, Meat Records and like what other sports that that might impact going forward yeah
0: i mean i think it's interesting um you can definitely talk like about i can see both arguments for the ethical aspect of it you know like you know recognizing that everybody's you know wants to participate in sport and their you know identified gender and then you know there there's a good Joe Rogan has an, had a podcast about it uh, with this other lady, and they had a pretty good discussion. And a very, it's a very nuanced conversation; it's not as like black and white as people would, like, p- put it out to be.
1: Um, no, it's not as it's not as black and white. And there's definitely like when I look back on my high school sport experience, and from from the perspective of what I would say, like uh, a trans woman competing in high school sports, is there the potential that physically? For however many years they were identifying as male before they might have had uh, a surgery or started taking hormones that they're gonna have a leg up like absolutely when it comes to biology like that that's just a thing puberty affects male and, and female individuals differently. But in the whole realm of life, like did my do my high school sports uh, define my success? No like high school sports is just about learning how to compete. Uh, you know, teamwork. There's bigger life lessons to competing in high school sports than being the best because very few are ever going to win the state championship. In fact, only one person is going to win the state championship. Very few teams are defined by just one individual. I mean, like LeBron James's team, whole totally different story than your regular high school, you know, basketball team. So I think if, if we put it into that perspective, I don't think this issue is quite as big as individuals would make it out to be because, it's just high school sports like really is it is it that serious that we're that upset if 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 these you know if these other uh, uh individuals are that identifies female that are, are cis female are upset that they're not winning the state championship listen if they're running a blistering time that would have won the state championship the time factor is what's going to get them to, to division one or division two or division three it's not their rankings in their state if if you're a female and you ran an 11-1 on the hundred you know uh, yard dash and a, a trans woman beat you running a 10-5 well guess what the schools aren't going to say oh we don't want the eleven one one female freshman coming in we're only interested in the 10-5 like that's absolutely wrong like you're going to get recruited regardless if you have a competitive collegiate level time it's not going to be based on your rankings in a statewide race where if just one trans woman competed like you lost out on a medal or something like that that that's the kind of stuff that we talked about perspective. Like, take a step back. Is this really what we need to be talking about as a country? Like, is this truly w- what is holding us back between our, our failing infrastructure, between us still not getting on top of the science of COVID? Like, I think there's bigger things out there to fry. Yeah, just for,
0: like, devil's advocate, like, you know, you could already, I think you can kind of view it from a perspective as if it's like, do you value the trans you know athletes right to compete and to participate in sports or do you do you value the you know cisgendered athletes you know potential you know ability to get recognized and move on to higher levels of sport like you know it's kind of a balance saved away that's how i kind of see it Um, but it's like a super nuanced conversation that that needs to happen that people just won't talk about because i think of you know the cancel culture and that if you bring up these points that, you know, you risk the potential of being labeled as anti-trans or, you know, and then it just, the entire conversation just gets thrown away because you used to get labeled. So, you know, I think there should be a very nuanced conversation that just isn't happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to hear a, a nuanced conversation uh, beyond just this basic one that we're doing, trying to bring up and advocate that there's, there's always many sides, uh, blocked and reported. Um, there's one on uh, puberty blockers. It's called Jesse's Leaving uh, the Podcast Right This Instant, uh, and another one called um, Youth Gender uh, with a clinician, Doctor Erica Anderson. Again, that's blocked and reported. Those are an April and March podcast. Uh, I listened to them. I thought they were phenomenal, and and the, I think the individuals that run the pod uh, it one's a trans woman, um, and and you know she goes into great details talking about. You know advocating and talking about the science behind both of it it's very nuanced again much better than i could ever say or bobby could ever say from this perspective but like that's part of educating yourself as an adult like figure it out and again perspective what is really the issue that we're boiling down to here like is is this one medal at this rhode island competition <laughs> like that that's really what we're going to get angry with our neighbor over there's bigger fish to fry people
0: yeah um, Same in the military too, you know, with the transgender people serving the military now, and like, yeah.
1: If you can pass the RPFT, I don't, I don't care who you are, what you look like, where you've come from, it, you're good. the The military said like you've met the standards for for this organization. Welcome to the club. If you don't meet the standards, you're gone. Like I, I just don't understand. I think it's just again people that. They think it's all about them. That only people that that think the way they do should be in the organization. It's that's just it's wrong. It's immature and it, it's it's really narrow sighted.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting seeing you know, I'm sure there there are like a small percentage of females that could serve and like soft can meet the standards. Um, so, like, granted, it doesn't apply to everybody, but, like, people, like, make it sound like, you know, it's the end of the world, the end of, you know, Salaf or end of infantry when females can join those organizations.
1: Yeah, I, I remember the when the first female Green Beret uh, passed like a, a year ago, everyone was up in arms about that. There's going to be a female first SEAL at some point. Uh, I think there was a female first Marine Demi officer. Oh, yeah. Well, Demi, Demi Moore. Sorry. Excuse me to the SEALs out there. You don't have to write a strongly worded letter led it to us. I mean, but they females are are bound to I mean, just look at fitness with with women in CrossFit. I mean, like Sarah Sigmund's daughter a couple years ago, beast. <laughs> uh uh Tia Claire Toomey, beast. Uh who's the other Icelandic chick? Annie. Aunt, yeah, Annie Thor's daughter, beast. Who Catherine David's daughter. I'm in, naming a lot of Icelandic people here. Uh I love Iceland. Uh like it, women are pushing strength numbers through the roof that like if I were to as a fit male in the army back in the day I would have gotten my ass kicked by these women in a CrossFit competition like and so what do I not do I not get to serve cuz I lost to a woman like you're going to lose to women I lost to a ton of women in the triathlon like Oh my God, like I had my doors blown off on that bike by some women that just flew by. Same on the run. I think some women ran like sub 130, 135 on the half marathon after that. Like it's bound to happen, but if they meet a standard, they've met the standard. Like, and it's done nothing to take away from the competition that was out there, it's done nothing to take away from your unit. Just be good. Focus on yourself. It sounds like the people that are probably the most upset about this have, one, never served. I'm looking at you, like, Fox News hosts that are the ones talking about it the most. And it's two people that probably served and probably, truthfully, probably sucked at service. Like, they probably were not your high-speed individuals, and they're just going to complain because they have that vet tag all of a sudden Everything falls underneath the same purview of military service when it's like it doesn't. You were probably trash when you were in and now you're just salty that you were trash and nobody's thanking you, so you want to shit on everyone else that's doing the right thing that's in.
0: Yeah, I love the uh the Army Times comment sections. Uh just kind of reading the comment sections. It's like a hot garbage pile of like Back in my day.
1: Yeah, these pre GWAT people too. Like Oh, I'm so you were you were in during the '90s when the standards were so much higher and you weren't in combat. I'm so sorry, Staff Sergeant. Like you're you're completely right. And then you see their like profile picture and they're like 400 pounds. Like get get real, man. Like no nobody cares. Why are you gonna come on here and just be like an internet troll? Like if you really appreciated your military service, why are you trying to bring down that that community? That makes yeah. zero sense.
0: I think it's like, an, you know, like we've talked about before, it's like the aspect of, uh, you know, like ego protection where you come to realize that your service is shit, and that you didn't really do anything and that, you know, by protecting your own ego and your own, um, you know, mental sanity and mental health, you have to your then Your fragility. Out. Yeah. Protect your own fragile, fragility of your service. Uh, you have to like lash out and demean other people and bring other people down and really make yourself feel better.
1: Yeah, and don't take this as us like respecting all branches of the military cuz clearly I hold the infantry above all. But at the end of the day, if you've served, you served. Like I I'm not going to be mad that you didn't want to go infantry. I'm going to be mad if you think I'm a try hard for wanting to be fit, but I'm not going to be mad because you wanted to go be a, a food service tech or if you wanted to be a human resources person i never want to deal with my pay like i never want to deal with my leave forms like someone's going to have to do that and you wanted to serve doing it and there was you know a, a, a chance that you might have to pull the trigger one day or you're in a convoy that gets hit all right like you're meeting the standard somehow good but you gotta do your job you have to yeah, your you job. Gotta do, just do your job well that's all that we ever ask and that's all that people should ask so for people to get mad that you know we can bring this back to what you're talking about that that trans individuals are participating in what used to be like a discriminated club or that women are now uh you know serving in these frontline units like times change if you're not willing to talk about how things could be made better by their service or what they're bringing to the table like just don't talk because you're not making anything any better all you're doing is identifying this divisive rhetoric that Quite frankly, everyone knows is out there saying the quiet part out loud doesn't make you some sort of like this martyr of like, oh, this is I have to protect this. This is my service. Like you're out, like you're done. Move on with your life, your old military service. It's great to talk about every once in a while. That should not define you. Again, your military service does not define who you are. That is like maybe 20 years for a very small uh, few that serve in what is otherwise like a very long life.
0: Yep, I think that's yeah a good part to start wrapping uh, this week's episode up. If you have any uh, anything else you want to add or any of the co- closing comments,
1: uh, yeah, keep getting after uh, Siege of Terra. Uh, I love the fucking series. I'm I I have so many Warhammer books now that uh I got some time off from school. Uh, I've been absolutely crushing them. I haven't told anyone that I work with that I'm I'm really into. Warhammer, and they Warhammer. don't know that I have tattoos, but um, eventually they'll they'll see those stacks come into the office. Uh, but yeah, Cedar Terra, we're we're moving along. I'm gonna try to make like swimming. Uh, if you're getting used to the programming, like swimming a once a week type thing, uh, I think for a lot of people that that 25 yard swim at Ranger School or the ditching equipment is like one of those things you shouldn't be really nervous uh, from. Um, one thing I will say with the swimming that we kind of talked about earlier uh, with my triathlon experience, like really get used to your, your hand position into the water. Get used to pulling. Don't think you have to kick as much. Um, we're going to get you there. We're, we're going to make you successful, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have fun doing it because then you're going to go do functional fitness after you pass ranger school, SFAS, and Q course, and you're going to get jacked.
0: And uh, still working on the hypertrophy block for a functional fitness cycle. Uh, I think next week we're doing a mini-deload. We'll do another mini-cycle of hypertrophy. And then we'll do a deload and then go into some strength work for the rest of the year. Uh, Should be good times.
1: And good times are going to be had if you're getting out of the military and are looking to be a Cronus Fit Scholar. You can go back and see the last two years scholarship award winners. If you're looking to get out uh, between now and August, you're going to start school. Uh, get your packet together. Again, it's really simple. It's like a letter of recommendation, photo of you in your uniform, your ERB or ORB, like why you want to serve and how you give back to the veteran community afterwards. And like that's literally it. It's like really simple. Put your stuff together. The scholarship is a one-time award, uh, and it can be used for anything from moving costs to you know, maybe putting a security deposit down for an apartment that uh, for a place that you're going to school, um, getting books, getting a suit. If you're going to an MBA program or a, a JD program, it, it can literally go to anything to help you transition and improve yourself uh, with with that degree. And again, it doesn't it's not limited to undergrad or graduate programs. If you're going to a technical school um, for like, you know, welding, for instance. It's a, another great example. So long as you're going to an education program like Cronus scholars wants to help.
0: Yeah. We're looking to actually increase the amount that we're giving away this year, but more to follow. Um, it kind of depends on how many people are going to apply this year and we'll, and we'll adjust the, uh, the scholarship money as, um, appropriately by that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We want to make it, we want to, we're growing it every single year. I mean, the first year was 500 last year was a thousand, uh, and this year it's going to be significantly higher than that. So, um, we'll have that announcement here probably in the next week on, uh, the site on Instagram. um, and we'll just keep hitting at home that if you have friends that are getting out, do them a favor, send them our way. And uh, we'll try to we'll try to make them one of the currentest scholars going for, forward for
0: 2021-2022. And with that, uh, we will catch you guys next time. Peace. Later.